we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, June the 19th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And we are looking at lessons for this coming Sunday, which is the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. It's on June the 25th, 2023. Lessons are from Jeremiah chapter 20, Romans chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 10. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and if you ever want to ask a question about what I'm asking, or that I might reply on Friday's open email, then email me at tombaker at brick dot net. That's B-R-I-C-K dot net. And we'll be glad to answer your question either by phoning you if you leave us a phone number or on the radio. So we're taking a look at these readings. And here's a question that I have for you. Are you set free from sin? Are you set free from sin? If you are not, then you're going to hell. What? Yes. But that is really hard to understand in light of much of our liturgy that talks about that we are poor sinners by thought, word, and deed, deserving eternal death, temporal punishment. So how can we be set free from sin? Well, it all depends what you mean by being set free from sin. Because the scriptures make clear that only those who are set free from sin are going to heaven. Does that mean, therefore, that as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, you so love Jesus that you never sin anymore? Is is that what it means to be set free from sin? If I say, for example, you're set free from a disease, maybe a cancer or the flu, etc., that means you're not having the disease. So how can we understand that you are set free from sin? Well, how do we understand anything from God's point of view? We have to go and listen to God. And where does he speak to us? He speaks to us through Holy Scripture. And we're going to take a look at Romans 6, 12 to 23. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life 
and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now, this is Romans 6. And at the beginning, it talked about the sacrament of holy baptism. That in holy baptism, you are crucified with Christ, you are buried with Christ, but you are also risen to new life with Christ. In other words, you get the gift of the forgiveness of sins. And that's why verse 14 is so important. For sin will have no dominion over you. Now, how does God explain that? Because it sure seems like we have sin that has dominion over us. Daily we sin by thought, word, and deed. So how does it mean that it doesn't have dominion over you? Well, the end of verse 14 explains it. For you are not under law, but under grace. See, this is a huge difference between an unbeliever and a believer. When you are a believer in Jesus Christ, believing not only that he died on the cross for your sins and rose for your justification, but that your sins are forgiven, you therefore have no fear of being in dominion over sin. Because what does forgiveness mean? When God forgives you, it means that he no longer is holding you accountable for your sin. You had a substitute, namely Jesus. He is held accountable for your sin. That's why he died on the cross, as payment for your sin. So there's a huge difference between law and gospel. We talk about this all the time. It's the name of the program. And here it says, verse 14, you are not under law, but under grace. What does that mean? If you are under the law, then you're going to be judged by your obedience. But if you are under grace, you are judged by your faith. Faith in what? Faith in the promises of Jesus Christ. The promise, he died for you, he rose for you, he ascended for you. That's being under grace. Because under grace means you are receiving gifts and benefits from Jesus Christ you do not deserve. That's what it means to be under grace. And that's why sin has no dominion, has no power over you. Because God recognizes that you are a sinner but he doesn't count you as being a sinner. The forgiveness of sins 
takes away the punishment of that sin. Now, Paul continues to the Romans in verse 15 of chapter 6. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? In other words, he's saying, well, do you have the freedom now to sin? Because under grace, you are not held accountable for it. But his answer is, by no means. Do you not know, he says in verse 16, if you present yourselves to anyone as an obedient slave, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. So, you have two fathers. The believer has God the Father as part of the Holy Trinity, but who is the father of an unbeliever? Well, go back to the Garden of Eden, and you'll recall Satan is the father. In fact, Jesus himself, he charges the Pharisees, the unbelieving ones, of having as their father the devil. Now, they did not appreciate hearing that, but that's who they had. Why? Because verse 16 says, whoever you obey, that is your father. If you obey his temptations to sin, that leads to death. But if you obey the obedience of Jesus Christ, that leads to righteousness. Now, it sounds like, therefore, you're saved by your works. But that's not what Jesus is saying. When you become a slave to the devil, you love to follow his wisdom, to become like God your own God. But when you follow the desires of Jesus Christ, you get to love him so much that you want to do good works. And even when you sin and fall short of the glory of God by word or by thought or by deed, you still are forgiven because you are living in grace. This is a huge difference between an unbeliever and a an believer. One, he rejects grace, but the other loves the grace of God. That's why Paul says in verse 17, thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Now that's really important. What we're talking about is a distinction between justification and sanctification. In justification, that is 
the moment when God declares you to be innocent in his sight, not because you stop from sinning, but because your sin is covered by the blood of Christ. You are forgiven. You are not held accountable for your sin. That's what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ. Why God does that, nobody knows. But that he does it, everyone who believes in the Bible knows. So it says that you who were once slaves of sin, desiring to do deeds, words, and thoughts that were disobedient against God's will, have now become obedient from the heart. What does that mean? Well, when we look at the book of Proverbs and other passages in the Bible, God doesn't mark your sin by the action, the word, or the thought. He marks sin by your motivation. So you can do an outwardly good work in the eyes of others, but your motivation may be to make you look better in their eyes to give you a higher status, to make you feel good about yourself. What God looks for is the motivation of your love for Jesus Christ. Because the more you understand what Jesus went through for you, the more the Holy Spirit motivates you to obey his will. Not because you want to get to heaven, but because you're already on your way to heaven and your obedience is an act of thankfulness. And so Paul continues. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Because once you presented the members of your body as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, which led to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. That's the end of verse 19 of Romans 6. This is what God is talking about. The life of sanctification is a life in which you desire to follow the will of God and to obey him, not in order to get to heaven, but because you know you are on your way to heaven because of his death and resurrection, his payment for your sins. He died so that you will never really die. So it says, when you were slaves of sin, when you were following Satan's temptations, you were free in regard to righteousness. Do you understand what that means? It means that you did not have proper righteousness. But then what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Because the end of those things is death. And we just don't mean a physical death. 
we mean a separation from God himself, as what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When they rebelled against God and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they recognized immediately that they were no longer in a right relationship with God. They tried to hide from God, as though you could hide from a God who's omnipresent. And then they lied, tried to blame each other or the snake for the sin, when in reality, it was their choice. So the fruit that they got when they sinned is death. Adam was told he would have to work the fields, hard work. Eve was told that she would have pain in childbirth, childbirth, a hard childbirth. And this became the consequence of their sin. And now we get to verse 22, where it is talked about the difference between those who follow their father, Satan, leading to death, in contrast to those who follow God the Father and believing in Jesus Christ, which leads to life. Verse 22 says it, but now that you have become set free from sin. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you don't sin anymore. But what happens when you do a crime in the secular world? Well, you are not set free, are you? You're either given a financial penalty or a time in jail. And if you ask people who are in jail, they want to be set free. Now, at times they are set free when they pay the payment. But in the spiritual realm, they are never set free because the end of those things is eternal death. So when the Bible says you have been set free from sin, it means you have been set free from the punishment of eternal death. That when you live under grace, rather than living under the law, you are not punished by a just God who gives you what you deserve, but you are prompt, but you are saved, I should say, by a merciful God who does not give you what you deserve and a gracious God who gives you what you do not deserve, eternal death, life. So verse 22 says, but now that you have been set free from sin, that is because you have become slaves of God. And the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. 
Where do we get that sanctification? It's found throughout the Bible. The parable, particularly of the sheep and the goats. The sheep are recommended by God as doing wonderfully good works, which they can't remember they've done. Because a lot of times these good works are spontaneous works because of your love for Jesus. And you just don't give much thought. Oh, I'm going to do this because I'm motivated by love of Jesus. No, you do it because that motivation is in your heart. And you love to do good works in obedience to Jesus. That's called the fruit of faith. You see, there's two kinds of good works. The good works that you do motivated by selfish desires or by wanting to look good in the eyes of others. But then you have what's called the fruit of faith. And that fruit are sincerely good works with the right motivation. You may not recognize that motivation every time. I mentioned you'll get up on the morning on Sunday, get ready for church. And rarely in your heart are you saying, oh, I want to go to church because of my love for Jesus. No, that's spontaneous. It just occurs, whether you're aware of it or not because you love to hear the good message of Jesus Christ. Uh, A message that may even cause you to be persecuted by others. In fact, I, I find the introit for this fourth Sunday after Pentecost very interesting. It's from Psalm 56, verses three and four. 10 and 11. For you, God, have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Jesus is the light of life. You have been delivered from eternal death so that you can walk obediently before Jesus Christ. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. For what can man do to me? In fact, that is what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 10, the gospel. He says, brother will deliver brother over to death, 
the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. In fact, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will, will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And then it's in this particular reading that you hear that a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without the Father's permission. And yet, two sparrows are sold for a penny. But then verse 30, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. For fear not, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. So what Jesus says, when you confess me before others, I will acknowledge you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Therefore, that's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. Jesus will never deny a believer before the Father in heaven. Why? That's verse 22 of Romans 6. You have been set free from sin. And that means every time you sin, God does not hold you accountable for that sin. That is the essence of the Christian faith. That is what we call the gospel. And it's a gospel that should be shared by parents to children, Sunday school teachers, and pastors to their congregation. It's the greatest good news you can ever hear. And we'll hear more about it when we take a look at tomorrow's hymn, Lord of our life and God of our salvation. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.